0: Today's episode is brought to you by our company, Sales Schema. Sales Schema helps agencies and B2B service companies build a reliable business development system through tasteful and targeted outreach. To learn more about us and check out our latest video training, go to saleschema.com
1: slash take charge. We take a little bit of a different approach in that one, we make it really easy for connectors to be in control over the strength of their relationship. So they rate their relationships as very strong all the way to very weak. And we do it in such a way to where they're not burdened with rating all their relationships, just the ones that the sales team is really focused on. So specific people at specific target accounts that are in specific buying centers with specific titles. So we hone in on the personas that fit their ICP, and then we make that really easy for the connectors. And it's not a requirement of our system, but it certainly helps bring more fidelity to the networks of these connectors and makes that whole introduction process easier We also go and retrieve things like work history, location. We look at intent data. And so what we do is we inform this new version of a spreadsheet, which we like to call a smart spreadsheet that takes these things into account and makes it easy now for a connector to offer help into these places where alumni networks are really strong. And they know that if they offer help, it gets rooted to the right salesperson it gets captured and recorded. It's going to be tracked and they'll be provided with status updates. So we're really reimagining the whole user experience so that the connector is able to participate in a way that they haven't been able to before.
0: Welcome to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Englander. My new book, Relationship Sales at Scale, is now live on Amazon Kindle, on paperback as well as hardcover. So to tell you about the book and give you a little context, in a world of noise, competition, and skepticism, you've probably found that spamming your prospects with undifferentiated pitches, case studies, and sales collateral is a lot like yelling at a brick wall. And on the other hand, trying to go old school and completely personalize every touchpoint 100% is unrealistic and unsustainable because the few people you manage to contact might not even notice or care and when life gets busy your sales activity and your team's activity tends to grind to a halt your pipeline runs dry and stagnation feast and famine all these bad things they can all happen so what if the answer is actually combining the new school with the old and instead of going in cold how much faster Could you grow if you could identify and open doors with the prospects who live within your circles of influence and are already primed to trust and do business with you? So this book, Relationship Sales at Scale, is the new selling philosophy for our age. Bold statement, right? But it is because it marries the timeless power of tribe-based trust with digitally enabled scale so you can open doors tastefully and convert prospects consistently all without spamming anyone. So it's written by me, Dan Englander. I'm the CEO and founder of this company sales schema and the book stories, strategies and hands on resources are grounded in thousands of outreach campaigns conducted for clients since 2014. That's among almost 90 clients to secure opportunities between our clients and hard to reach prospects, including the leaders of the largest companies on earth. A few things you're going to learn. You're going to learn how to balance personalization and scale to keep your pipeline full and achieve reliable and predictable growth. You're going to learn how to condense five years of networking into a single week-long campaign so you can batch up warm referrals into specific ideal accounts. You're going to learn how to de-risk conversations, that's the the emphasis for this, with highly skeptical prospects by leveraging strong personal commonalities instead of boring publicly available information like, hey, I saw you tweeted about this thing last week, that doesn't work. And you're going to be able to leverage dozens of actual copy examples, campaign strategies, and online resources So you can launch and close deals in a matter of weeks. So Relationship Sales and Scale will reshape the way you think about sales and business development, whether you are an owner, a dedicated salesperson, or in any growth-focused role. This book is a fit for the owners and salespeople in professional service companies and other B2B service and or software areas, assuming you're going after high lifetime value. So this is not for small, medium-sized businesses. So with that said, if you would like to learn more and pick up the book, on Kindle or paperback or hardcover, and eventually we'll have it out in audio before too long. You can do that by going to saleschema.com slash rsas. Again, that's saleschema.com slash rsas. So today on the show, we have David Rush, who is the founder and CEO of Small World, which is a relationship activation platform that fuels the entire relationship lifecycle to unlock more successful, warm introductions and referrals. So I really enjoyed this interview because I think David is approaching the same problem we are, but from a different angle, you know, by using software and he has a really interesting background, but he really talked about all the things that we already know about how powerful relationships and referrals are because of the trust that they create. And, and David, you know, is able to put a lot of metrics on this, talking about how sales cycle goes down, how close rates go up and all that good stuff. But I think he gives a very good perspective on how you use the right intelligence and the right tools to make these things happen, right? Because we're all working so hard to network, build relationships, set up referral partner groups, join peer groups, go to events, all these sorts of things. And I think that David software offers a really great way to kind of see everything in one place and make stuff happen. So without further ado, please give it up for David Rush. David, nice to have you. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we were just talking before I threw on the recorder and it's funny how like our audience or agency owners, many of which have been, been at this for like decades at a time. And I don't think there's really anybody that needs to be sold on like the power of relationships or the power of referrals. It's really just about what can you do to actually be deliberate and proactive about harnessing these things as opposed to what pretty much everybody does, which is like sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. So We'll definitely get into that. And it sounds like we're approaching a very similar problem from different angles. But before we do, would you mind talking a little bit bit
1: about your background from a high level? Sure. Yeah, I've spent the last 25 plus years in mostly sales leadership roles, commercial leadership roles at various technology companies, early stage. I was a founder once before of a social media listening platform called Earshot. And then previous to launching Small World, I was chief revenue officer of a voice analytics company based here in Chicago led a team of 80 plus uh, sales, customer success, customer service uh, folks um, to hone in on all the deal velocity metrics. And it was a great opportunity for me to see kind of what worked and what didn't and really inspired this idea around warm introductions and referrals being this untapped opportunity to build more pipeline and really impact all the velocity metrics.
0: That's interesting. And like, let's dig into that a little bit just because There's so much fluff, I think, in the sales world. And there's so much kind of like sometimes naive, like over-focus on metrics, and very few of which actually matter. And there's also a lot of people like fooling themselves either to like sell things or just to tell stories. So to bring this to a question, hopefully, when you were at that, either the current company or maybe the previous one, like what were those deal velocity metrics? What were the sorts of things that actually
1: affected outcomes across like a large data set in your experience? Yeah. I mean, traditionally what I've seen is, you know, one, just top of funnel production, right? Sheer number of opportunities. Two, average deal size. So that obviously impacts total revenue as well. And then you're looking at overall conversion rates, win-loss rates. Those are, you know, super important. And then the last one is just average sales cycle. So how do we take a sales cycle of 180 days down to 90 days? And what does that look like? And if you hone in on those four metrics, it obviously impacts overall performance, And so that's what we really keyed in on, you know, whether that was getting to more senior level people, whether that was asking the right questions uh, throughout the sales process, whether that was activating new lead gen or demand gen strategies, all those things are really important to overall funnel performance. That's interesting. And I kind of want to hone in on that last one,
0: which is bringing sales cycle down, because that's something we get asked about a lot, right? Because... Maybe when you're in bigger teams or with bigger organizations, it's not like some salesperson can just change up the product. But when you're in a boutique agency, you can package services a million different ways from Sunday. Can you talk about that a little bit? Like what were the factors that were actually bringing down sales cycle? Did it take repackaging the product or is this all just the blocking and tackling of better
1: sales practices? Or like what were the sorts of forces that were were impacting that? Yeah, and it's interesting. There's a, There's been some recent statistics that have been posted, I think, on LinkedIn or Twitter around how these sales cycles are taking a lot longer in today's market, right? Budgets have been... Constrained and sales reps are, are facing this challenge probably more than ever. And so the compression of that sales cycle, there's a lot of different things can affect it. Of course, the quality of the salesperson and the questions they ask, but we found more than anything else. What level are you selling at? How quickly can you get to what, what I define as power? Somebody that actually has budget can make that decision. And, you know, if you're selling sort of mid level up, that can take a lot longer than if you have executive sponsorship from the beginning and that can really accelerate the time in which you know you can get a commitment part of you know what inspired building small world and thinking about relationships is that you can accelerate the access that you have into those senior level decision makers and those meetings that you can secure often happen within a couple weeks instead of it taking you know 6 to 8 weeks of cold outreach because of a trusted relationship. So those activities really can impact the time to commitment. And obviously the the basics of creating a sense of urgency, understanding the problem that you're solving, knowing what the business outcome is once that problem has been solved are critical to articulate during the sales process.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So let's to kind of shift gears a little to small worlds. Can you talk about like, was there a light bulb moment you know, that inspired it where you're like, okay,
1: this is the next project I'm working on? You know, I think the big thing for me is my previous startup, we had a really cool product. We actually delivered value and we had some users that loved it. But man, it was hard to quantify the specific business value that we were delivering. And even the end users that loved it said, Wow, this is really great. This is helping me. And when we would try to really understand dollars and cents and a before and an after, it was hard. And I knew that these warm introductions and referrals truly changed business outcomes. There was a direct correlation between getting that intro and actually being able to close business. And that excited me because I knew that even in a crowded RevTech space, even with a lot of different tools, ultimately the reps care about two things. One being how big is my pipeline and what's the quality of my pipeline? Because those two things will impact overall Revenues that they produce, and then that affects how many commissions that they earn and their lifestyle and and their kids' lifestyle, so I felt so strongly about the business impact that we could make with this that it made it easier for me to jump in and, and be excited about it.
0: yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And can you talk a little bit about how most sales teams are thinking about relationships and referrals like without a tool like this and without any special
1: processes like usually what's what's the status quo in your experience? Yeah. And that was another inspiration for us as we talked to a lot of companies before launching Small World. And many of them are trying to do this, but they're still doing it on spreadsheets. They've got a spreadsheet that they distribute to their executive team, their board members. Hey, here's our top 50 for Q1. Does anybody know anyone at Nike or does anybody know anybody at Verizon? And so that doesn't yield the optimal result because it's very reactive there's no intelligence built into that spreadsheet and so that's how it's been working and it's also when we think about like customer referrals it's typically customer success reps doing quarterly business review and asking one of their customers if they know anybody else when Peer groups and peers of these advocates and ones that are willing to be references are are sitting right there. So, you know, making it easier for them to make these introductions and then thinking about the incentives and recognition that can take place is a big part of it to change the status quo. Right, right. And in in those situations, it's funny because like
0: if you just say, "Do you know anyone?" that now becomes like the hardest task for somebody to fulfill because they have to. A, make sure that they feel comfortable introducing you to whoever they might have in common, but first come up with that idea and then come up with the intro, write it on top of like everything else that they have to do. So maybe we can go there. Like, Can you talk about how you're typically
1: recommending people activate these relationships and like what actually is a better way of doing it? Well, We take a little bit of a different approach in that one, we make it really easy for connectors to be in control over the strength of their relationship. So they rate their relationships as very strong all the way to very weak. And we do it in such a way to where they're not burdened with rating all their relationships, just the ones that the sales team is really focused on. So specific people at specific target accounts that are in specific buying centers with specific titles. So we hone in on the personas that fit their ICP, and then we make that really easy for the connectors. And it's not a requirement of our system, but it certainly helps bring more fidelity to the networks of these connectors and makes that whole introduction process easier We also go and retrieve things like work history, location, we look at intent data. And so what we do is we inform this new version of a spreadsheet, which we like to call a smart spreadsheet that takes these things into account and makes it easy now for a connector to offer help into these places where alumni networks are really strong. And they know that if they offer help, it gets routed to the right salesperson, it gets captured and recorded, it's going to be tracked, and they'll be provided with status updates. So we're really reimagining the whole user experience so that the connector is able to participate in a way that they haven't been able to before.
0: Yeah. And, and to back up a little bit, can you talk about how you would define a, a connector?
1: Could this be anybody? Is this somebody in the target account
0: you want to reach? Or is this just like a random colleague, friend, in your own company outside of it, just
1: what, or, or all the above? So we think of a salesperson, when they go through this process, they're naturally going to start with their own network, right? And they're going to have that in their own address book. They're going to have that probably on LinkedIn. And that's the natural place to start, but that ends pretty quickly. And so then this next layer of what we call connectors are, are those people within the ecosystem of their business who are either intrinsically motivated, like executives or board members or advisors to make warm introductions. They're already doing it today or those that are connected to the business that may even have incentives. So if we think about employees who get referral bonuses when someone gets hired, we're seeing companies now create these programs for referral bonuses if a warm introduction leads to new business. And so when we think of, and when I say connectors, we're really referring to those different cohorts. It's partners, it's customers, it's former employees, it's current employees, it's executives, anybody within the ecosystem of the business. And then the third place that a rep will go is, There's a stranger that actually has a very strong relationship with somebody that I'm trying to meet, and I've got a timely, relevant request that will resonate with them, that will actually help them uh, invest in, in their relationship and build social capital with that person that they know. And so we're about ready to avail this later this quarter or early next, we'll have an external network that will enable all of that to happen. But we're going to be very judicious with how we do it. Relationships are a precious thing. That trust needs to be retained. Anonymity needs to be recognized. There's all you know the non-competitive issues. So we're taking all those things into consideration. But our mission as a company is to give sales and marketing teams the tools and technology to engage any target prospect at any company that they identify.
0: That, that makes sense. And, you know, a lot of our listeners know about some of the work we're doing where we're kind of doing this in a more kind of done for you way where we're essentially mapping connections, doing the actual outreach to get these sorts of things. And you're approaching this more from the software angle, which is awesome. And one thing that we found is it works really, really well. And we'll, you know, but then when people get on the calls with their connectors sometimes, because what we found is that like that connector meeting will often have to happen in order to get the best sorts of most relevant intros and it adds it adds more time but it's really worth it. Sometimes our clients will say some clients are really are used to doing this all day but then people that are kind of newer at that this the sorts of people that are kind of happened into referrals will say things like yeah, you know the call was a little awkward because I felt uncomfortable asking for the intro or you know I saw they know these people that I want to reach I felt a little weirder about it. Is there a way that you've found to deal with that or that you're... I know if you have like a boiler room salesperson, they they probably don't have an issue with that. But the people that do have issues, like how do you approach that problem?
1: Well, it's one of the reasons why we took the approach of treating the connectors experience in small world as just as important as a salesperson. Because a lot of the relationship intelligence tools you'll find will create a score, right? They'll guess at what their relationship is. And then the rep is sort of going through the same process. So for our connectors, they willingly become part of the system, they typically will be willing to do so because we've made their user experience easier. We have everything from templates built into the system to reminders, and they don't have to do much. There isn't like this dependency that that they spend a lot of time on it, but they're already a part of it. And so what we've done is we've removed a lot of the ambiguity of getting this unexpected email or in-mail from a rep asking for this warm intro. So to your question, the rep who hesitates no longer has to because they know this is a connector who is a part of small world, as important, we'll typically have relationship strength. And when we see that the connector has a strong or very strong relationship into the target prospect, we are showing that well over 50% of the time that meeting will happen. So about 83% of the time, they'll say, yes, I'm willing to make that introduction. And a little over 71% of the time, it actually meeting gets scheduled. And so the net is around 56%, I think. It's astounding. And so that's where reps sort of get more comfortable with it is it's like, all right, if my conversion rate is this and these connectors are actually expressing to me that they have this strength in the relationship, their willingness to help is already intact and I feel less uncomfortable doing so. Right.
0: That that makes sense. And I think the other part of that is if you give somebody more specifics and you make it easy, it's not a huge deal compared to
1: just this gray area <laughs> open and did you know anybody Kind of situation, and that just add to that. You know what we've seen is we've built into our system. You can create a ghost email, right? That can be forwarded by the connector. They'll often say, "Hey, I'm happy to make the introduction to you know Kristen, but can you send me something I can forward?" So we've made that whole process simple, where with a couple clicks, connector on their mobile device can make that introduction without having to do very much.
0: Yeah, that's that's huge. I, I think still, you know, relationships are always going to be complicated. And like one of the hardest things is like quantifying the strength of a relationship, you know, because really strength is pretty narrow. Like it's hard to say what, what that actually means. And I think when we've had clients kind of go through their networks and decide who they're okay with defining as connectors, especially people that have been at this for years, that process can take a long time. You know there's a lot of hemming and hawing, and that list gets like really whittled down. So I'm trying to bring this to a question, but i'm I'm just sort of like, how do you deal with that the right way? How do you kind of like make
1: that happen in a software context where you do have to quantify it some way? yeah, i mean we we think there's all different types of connectors, some that are super excited and proactive that come into our system and want to add all their relationships and rate the relationship strength. And those are easy, right? Then there are those that are incredibly protective, are uh, concerned about, you know, revealing any relationships, do not want to necessarily be, you know, as open, right, With with sort of relationship strength. And so we've built a system that kind of can cater to both, which is they're able to now come in and participate, but in a way that Protects who they might know and who they might not. They can simply offer help into a target company through an indirect relationship. We give them the opportunity to see people that the sales team is trying to meet, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they've said that they know that person. Maybe they know someone that knows that person, but we've, we've taken all those things into consideration because you're absolutely right. Relationships are an incredibly nuanced thing. Everybody's different. And you kind of need to give them the freedom to treat those relationships the way they best are suited. And so that's also why we give connectors the ability to make these introductions, either through affordable email, through a text, through a phone call, through whatever format they feel is best suited for that personal relationship or that professional one that they've got, because that flexibility is, is super important. As a quick break, I
0: wanted to let you know about our newest video training, How to Take Charge of Your Agency's Future Revenue. By the end of this training, you're going to learn how we get two to five qualified appointments every week using tasteful and highly targeted email outreach. That might not sound like a lot, but once you understand the outreach napkin math, you're going to learn how this can lead to massive scale for your agency or B2B service company. In addition to that, you're going to learn the six steps for successful outreach campaigns based on everything that we've learned from working with more than 100 agencies since 2014. You're going to get the complete agency outreach tech stack so you understand the right tools for getting the right results. And you're going to see agency to brand email examples and get inspiration from high converting campaigns. So to get this 30-minute training, all you need to do is go to saleschema.com slash take charge. Again, that's saleschema.com slash take charge. Yeah, that that makes sense. One thing that that we've seen come up a lot is the seniority level issue with sales teams, right? Where you might have partners that have, have this massive Rolodex and you know have built it for a long time. But They have salespeople that are newer, you know, younger that don't, might not have that Rolodex built up. So the partners will say, Hey, you can, you can use my Rolodex. But then the issue with that is sometimes it takes time, right? To make these intros and to be involved and to even get on calls and that kind of thing. So this is probably even a bigger issue when you're dealing with a full stack sales team where you have a lot of new people coming in. Can you talk
1: about that a little bit? Kind of how you deal with the seniority thing? Well, let me know if I answer your question and correct me if I don't. But but one thing that we've built into our system are reminders and a system where you can see those that are requested, those that are active. And we actually, you can update the status or the stages of where an introduction is. And so we give connectors the ability to adjust the frequency of those notifications of those reminders. But it's a really effective way to keep them reminded of what's sort of next, right, in the process. And because when they get uh, introduction requests coming from the salesperson rooted through small world, they can organize all those into sort of one folder. So one thing we've heard is these connectors, to your point, are super busy. They'll often forget. They've got a lot of things going on. And so we've, again, tried to take that into account with how we are that one place and one system of record where all of these are funneled through. So, but I, did I answer your question on the seniority thing or um, were you yeah. kind of... I yep. think so.
0: So if I understand right, it sounds like you're creating just kind of visibility across the whole team. You can see kind of who's connected to who.
1: You can. And those right. senior those people are in control over whether or not they are willing to make the introduction. If they get a request that maybe doesn't have as much context or um, justification behind it, they can actually request more from the rep, right? So our idea is all around this this concept of you know, making the rep do what they would expect to do if they were gonna get a cold email or respond to, which is to provide that connector with context, but they'll accelerate the whole process by using someone who knows that person they're trying to meet with versus doing it through cold outreach. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: And is is the anchor to this LinkedIn, is that kind of the main source of these connections, or is it self-uploaded or what's what's kind
1: of fueling this? Yeah. I mean, we look at relationships, Rob and their personal relationships and the Professional relationships and we bring in data from multiple sources. So LinkedIn connections is one good place for professional connections. There are some people that are not as active on LinkedIn as others. There is an increasingly, uh, there's unreliability in terms of uh, the, the relationship strength, right? Connections. Are becoming more and more a poor proxy for relationship strength because it's audience building a lot on LinkedIn right now. You have a lot of people that are accepting connections to be able to have an audience and promote, and and it's you know content sharing. So one of the problems that we certainly solve is by helping curate those LinkedIn connections and to identify the ones where there are real relationships and the ones that frankly are within the personas and the ICPS of who the company cares about. But we pull in Gmail data. We pull in, um, address book data. You know, we're, we're agnostic because when you think about community, when you think about clubs and associations, when you think about who you know on a personal level, that transcends what might be seen just on LinkedIn. Last thing I'll add here is what's really interesting that we're beginning to surface our third degree relationships. And so third degree relationships only matter when there's a very, very strong relationship between two people because it's, If, For example, if you and I had a very strong relationship, someone that you know who maybe had previous work history at a company that I'm trying to get into all of a sudden becomes really relevant Um, because of the strength of our relationship, your willingness to help me out just based on the trust. Is dramatically different than if you didn't have a very strong relationship with me, so we're revealing new paths of connectivity that otherwise salespeople would be blind to on LinkedIn and other sources um that we think is is really interesting to open up sort of the aperture of opportunity
0: yeah, and I could see that that there is that huge quality over quantity effect where it's like okay if you're you know if your best friend is connected to the c m o you should probably start here <laughs> instead of doing more cold outreach, right so that makes sense.
1: Yeah and and then looking that CMO worked at this company for 5 years and so asking a favor right of somebody that you have that very strong relationship becomes now more in play than it would if it was just a regular connection.
0: Yeah that makes sense and it's it's funny because one shower thought I've had that I've I kind of got parts of it into that book earlier is the idea that like there's something inherently scarce about relationships and what you know, we're both doing from different angles, is essentially giving intelligence on that. But at the end of the day, you know, one question that I'll get is like, well, let's say I don't have a relationship, and I don't have any connection to this CMO or wherever it is. Like, can I still like What do we do? And it's like, well, yeah, you can still reach out to them. It's just going to be a lot harder. <laughs> and. When I see other people with sales software platforms and stuff, especially with AI, this is going to take a lot of weird, crazy directions pretty soon. It's kind of this like personalization arms race, but all of it's going to like accumulate to being something that is very commonplace, right? Where it's regurgitating information back to somebody about things you know about them, but there's nothing scarce <laughs> about
1: it, which makes it unreliable.
0: So anyway, That's I, right. I don't have a question, but how do you feel about that?
1: Like, how does that match your your take yeah, on no, I mean- I think you're spot on. I mean, I think, you know, I heard it the other day. It was like, you know, everybody thinks this is going to help, you know, with cold outreach because you're going to have the perfect email with relevant content. Well, now everybody's email looks the same. And so now you don't trust any of those emails as a target prospect because you know that they were generated by AI potentially. And so I think the, the willingness to actually be receptive to that will be important. I think it's the combination of using AI for formatting, for you know, kind of the skeleton of content and then really being smart about how you personalize it, that'll make a huge difference. And then being really effective on the call once you get it, right? It's one thing to secure that meeting, but then being able to, with credibility, you know, articulate what you wrote in that email. If AI is writing all this, you didn't really know it. And then you are caught flat footed, your credibility is out the window. So the way that, you know, we look at the world is sales is about timing or trust. And timing is important you need to have your brand top of mind when somebody goes through a vendor change or they're in the process of issuing an rfp or or and you know third-party intent data has been really popular because that's timing right they're in the midst of shopping for a new solution but trust is this really interesting opportunity to unlock that exists within every company and what's equally interesting with trust is that it's with an audience that may not even know that they have a problem we're solving at that given moment. They're perfectly teed up. They're perhaps in the right vertical. You've got case studies and examples of where you've delivered value to this exact same person with the exact same title with the exact same business challenges, but they're blind to the fact that there's a solution out there that could help them do this. They're not going to respond to any cold outreach, and they're not even going to show you Indications of shopping because they're not there yet, but yeah. you get that audience through the power of trust, and so you've opened up a, a world of opportunities that otherwise would have not been accessible through a relationship. And we think it's this combination of timing and trust which creates the perfect bullseye for salespeople.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that trust is actually the scarce resource for anything that's not brand new. You know, for anything that has enough competition around it, because it's like you know, at the end of the day especially in our world of agency services, everybody knows what an agency does. It's more about which one can actually trust to do the things that it says it's going to do, right? So that okay. makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I think to shift gears a little bit, you know, I think a lot of people listening, they might, they probably have a CRM, you know, they're on a HubSpot or they're on a pipe drive or whatever. And they're, maybe there's one or two other tools that are, that are going around. Like, where does
1: um, Small World fit in? Like, how do you think about slotting this into place with everything else? Yeah. So we currently have an integration into Salesforce, which for any of our customers that use Salesforce, they're accessing it there for just that reason to make it part of the workflow for reps who come in in the morning, they log in, they're responding to their marketing qualified leads or their intent leads. And then we're surfacing what we describe as relationship leads. So now instead of, you know, doing what would have been cold outreach into those target accounts, they're able to leverage an existing relationship that we've surfaced for them in Salesforce to do the same thing and to increase the chances of engagement. We have plans to do an integration with HubSpot and other applications where we will be a good fit. And so that process is underway. But today, we've got a a nice, robust integration with Salesforce that we're excited about. Cool. Cool. That's...
0: And I don't mean just, just integrations, but... I guess a better way to ask the question is which which is very interesting by the way, and that's that's a good thing to have. But what's the sort of process that you recommend to to salespeople that are doing this? Like are relationships first? Is it inbound? Like is it the cold lead that did respond? <laughs> How does this yeah. kind of slot into place?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that that's a great question. Sorry I didn't answer it the okay. first time. I think, you know, it's about those deal velocity metrics we talked about, right? So mm-hmm. if you are looking to generate more pipeline start with with intent, start with MQLs. Be sure that those are high quality. Now, the big benefit of using relationships is you're going to get into senior level decision makers more quickly. Typically with these inbound MQLs and intent, you're talking to manager level, director level, not a bad thing because they're end users and they're influencers. But if you really want to get access for your AE or strategic AE into the C-suite or into a low decision maker, relationships may be the place to start. We also like to describe what we do as providing teams with the ability to do a relationship audit on an important deal in the pipeline. So let's say that a deal's gotten to stage three or four. It's a sizable deal. Maybe it's competitive. What you don't want to do is look back having lost that deal and later learn that maybe your CFO had a great relationship with their CFO through a peer group. And it was never leveraged as part of that sales process, bringing that CFO into a team-based selling strategy. So we like to encourage customers to do a relationship audit for any important deal in the pipeline. And that's a great place as a strategic rep to leverage Small World. We also think about account planning and, and account mapping and prioritization. And so you can organize all of your territory in Small World in such a way where you can see where you have relationships across each of them, the strength of those relationships, and oftentimes that'll inform of the 100 accounts you've been assigned, which are the the top 15 based on these relationships, because your propensity and likelihood of getting a meeting through one of these connectors is much higher than it otherwise would be. So those are when we think about sort of the activities and responsibilities of a salesperson, some of the places where we are really well suited to help.
0: Yeah, that, that's cool. And one thing that kind of popped up as you were talking is in the relationship audit is this sort of later stage deal scenario where it's like, let's say you're, you know, in our world, you're, you're an agency and you have this big, you know, RFP you're working on and you're like among the top three in contention. And you find out that your creative director went to college or is friends with, you know, the VP of marketing. VP of marketing, he's been on the sidelines, hasn't really been involved in the deal what what's your play there once you find that out like what what are people doing
1: and what's diplomatic at that stage <laughs> i mean i think that's where again it's this notion of trust and the way back to kind of like what inspired this i always believed there was you know the decision maker at this target prospect they have a life they know people you know in their community they've worked with people before they and just a personal experience, oh my gosh, I had no idea you knew this person, right? It's so crazy. My co-founder, Matt, and I met through someone who we both had a very strong relationship with, but we didn't know that. And yeah. so I think this notion of it being a smaller world than we all think is just true. And so through trust, because ultimately you make a decision on a vendor because of either trust in their solutions, and you know that, you know, you'll you know, be recognized once that solution delivers on its promise or trust in the person that they'll deliver against what they promise. And so I think anytime that trust is known, it's super appropriate, even if it's later, you know, in the process to engage someone who can influence an opportunity if it's, if it's done the right way.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes it might be more like, hey, how can we best represent or like asking for, if you ask for advice, you get help or if you ask for help, you get advice kind of thing. <laughs> I've seen that that play out well. So it makes yeah, sense. Exactly. So David, this has been really great. And it's great to, to compare notes on this stuff, getting to, towards the end of the time here. Uh, how can people follow what you're up to
1: and, and check out small world and get in touch and all that good stuff? Yeah. So, you know, we're at smallworld.ai, and and uh, uh, you know, would love to, you know, chat more about what we're doing and we've got a self-guided product tour on our website, some informative videos and obviously, you know, would be excited to to dig in more. We work with companies across verticals, you know, technology, consulting, business services and you know, work with revenue leaders of all kinds. We work with ABM and executive engagement teams, sales and marketing teams and we're super excited about the results that we're seeing. So, appreciate the opportunity to tell our story. Yeah, likewise. And we'll get all that linked up and hopefully uh, we'll do it again before
0: long. So thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to this episode. Again, today's episode is sponsored by our company, Sales Schema. Sales Schema helps agencies and B2B service companies build a reliable business development system through tasteful and targeted outreach. To learn more about us and check out our latest video training, again, you can go to saleschema.com slash take charge. Again, that's saleschema.com slash take charge.